from Bearcat Arena for now. Jacob Blair and Trevor Mader are going to go ahead and send it back to the studio. Austin, take it away. Thank you, gentlemen. And oh my goodness, what a performance. You know, and there's really no other way to say this other than it's March, baby. It's March. When do you get to experience, and even at the D1 level, I mean, it's championship weekend, but here in Division Two, the fun has already begun. And in Session 1, we got two games where all four teams beat the century mark. Are you kidding me? That's amazing. Unreal. Unreal. I mean, you look at that first game in Missouri Southern and Washburn, you get into the 100 mark, and then... You look at that game, it goes into overtime. Southeastern makes the comeback and is able to pull off the upset. So now, tomorrow, we're going to have a 7-6 matchup in the Central Region. Maryville is the spot to be today. And, and right after, and I'm going to go back on what you said for the Southern, you see, you see Cam Martin, 46 points, shooting 16 of 21, 9 of 10 from deep. He had 11 rebounds, and you're like, oh, no one's going to be able to top that today. Literally, like, That's going to be the game of the year. Literally the <laughs> next game. <laughs> Kevin Buckingham, 43 points, shooting 15 of 20, 5 of 6 from deep. He had 9 rebounds. So he was 3 points shy and 2 rebounds shy of exactly matching what Cam Martin did 10 minutes before. So, yeah, let's, let's start there with the game that we just heard from Jacob Blair and Trevor Mater, a game in which the number 2 seed, Northern State, coming in. Uh, they just won their conference tournament. This is Southeastern's first appearance since 2007 in the NCAA tournament. Northern's up 13, and then Southeastern comes back, led behind, and just unreal performance from their leading scorer, and they get the W. You know, sitting courtside at a game like that, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I mean, I had to leave early, and I was like, oh, okay, you know, Northern, Northern's up by yeah. 13. No, okay, this is, this is fine. But, man, South, Southeastern just hung around and... Here we are, one fifteen, one hundred three victory in OT. Um, I mean, you can't ask for much more. Two teams scoring over four hundred points total in t- <laughs> in two games. Come I mean, now. wow. You, I mean, we knew we were in yeah. for a treat, but not four hundred points full worth. <laughs> dessert buffet, cherry on top. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, and, sure. and we didn't even know at first because in the Missouri Southern game. Missouri Southern was up 20 with 13 minutes left, and and Washburn, after Cam Martin fouls out, they come back, and it's a one-point win. And then and you look at the Southeastern-Oklahoma game, with two, two minutes, 12 seconds left, Nor- Northern State was up 13 points with two minutes left. <laughs> and they come back, Southeastern-Oklahoma comes back, ties it up, they go to OT, and in OT, South Southeastern Oklahoma had all momentum. They were able to just push the ball anywhere they wanted. Kevin Buckingham and Adam Dworsky could do whatever they wanted, honestly. Yeah, and, you know, talking about Adam uh, Dworsky, you know, he had 32 points, two of three from the three-point line, 13 of 19 from the field total, and uh, also had uh, three rebounds. You know, it's just you get two complete performances from two players, like over 30 points uh, from two players, that that's really hard to beat, and it showed today. Southeastern, like once it got into overtime, I feel maybe Northern State like kind of was a little deflated. You know, they kind of lost that fire that they had when they had the 13 point lead, and that just sprung Southeastern to win the game. So let's kind of look at some of the stats from that game that you just heard here on the X 106. Um, 
Both teams shot 50% from the floor, Southeastern 58%, Northern 52%, um, Southeastern 47% from behind the three-point line, 55% for Northern. Uh, both teams didn't shoot a whole lot of free oh, – actually, uh, that might have been the biggest difference. I mean, you look at the 10 free throw difference uh, between Southeastern and Northern, Eight, uh, 18 made free throws for Southeastern, 36 rebounds, 39 rebounds. Um and there were back and forth, three lead changes for each team. Again, we talked about Northern being up 13, Southeastern up 12. Um, it, it, you look at the assist numbers, 23 for Northern, 16 for Southeastern. Um, I think a real big factor, and especially with Northern not being able to really control this lead, 13 turnovers. I mean, and when you really look down at the stretch, and, and you just can't have that. I mean, and really, for Northern, you look at it, their bench played really well. I mean, they had 36 points come off the bench. But that Southeastern starting five, um, especially led behind Buckingham, who finished with a 40-point performance, really just did enough to get the job done. I mean, 97 points came from their starting five. And and not just the turnovers. Yeah, they had 13 turnovers. But so- Southeastern Oklahoma was able to capitalize. They had exactly. 23 points off turnovers. And, and that is crucial in, in this game that went into OT. And you get into OT and you mentioned the free throws. They shot 13 of 14 in overtime from the line. That's a great job to get in there and close out and, and just capitalize off of everything that you've been through to be able to make that comeback and finish out strong. I know that was something that we discussed uh, earlier this morning. If a seven seed's going to hang around with a a bigger, stronger team like Northern, where they they really outmatch them in size wise. So I mean, if they're going to hang you around, could have said the same thing for that Missouri Southern Washburn exactly. game too. Exactly, size was a huge thing, but it didn't matter. So I mean, if you're going to hang, they hung around because they did get to the free throw line. They forced them into foul trouble. They forced the turnovers that. We talked about earlier, you know, if you want to win this game, you got to force people to make turnovers. And, uh, you know, earlier we brought up uh, Southeastern as far as uh, forcing turnovers. I mean, 12.8 points off turnovers per game. And they had, what did you say, they had 14 today mm-hmm. or something 13, around there? Yeah. I mean, that you can't ask for much more on the defensive end. And I, I think that's ultimately what got them the W was just – playing hard defense down the stretch their guards played great they didn't force too many shots there were a few you know that where you're like oh wow why did you take that but um you know <laughs> they took the but right there's shots some of those where you're like no 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 yes you know yeah. like shots. buckingham right yeah, exactly. before overtime like, yeah. we were watching it yeah uh, you can get a better look than that and then it's like oh never mind that works we're fine <laughs> yeah buckingham just went off and especially in the last you know minute or so like just making clutch shot after clutch shot and the one right before overtime with 0.6 seconds left on the clock like after he made it that was fall, there's basically a fall away three-pointer yeah and, exactly you know really difficult shot and he nails it so then let's look at the point breakdown first i'll start with uh, northern and the, it, they really kind of spread it around i mean they're starting five uh you had uh, let's see, four guys in double figures. Um, Smith with 16, uh, Decker with 18, and we know uh, Smith, Ian Smith was the conference tournament player of the year for Northern. Um, and, and 13 for for Freeze, uh, 11 for Keene. They really spread it around, and it, you sh- you, we also saw that in their assist numbers, um, where they had Ian Smith had 10 assists just on his own. Um, and then you look at Southeastern. 
and it was really a kind of a two-man show, and it's also kind of funny because this is similar to the Southern game. It's similar to the Southern Washburn game in where in this game with Southeastern and Northern, you look at uh, Buckingham with 43 and then Jaworski with 32. Other than that, it really kind of falls off. The next highest leading scorer um, is uh, Job, who had 12. Um, and so th- then you look at the Southern game where it was led behind Cam Martin um, in the 40s, and those two guys were able to get the job done. So moving into that matchup tomorrow, and I don't want to preview it too much because we're going to be able to do that tomorrow on the X106, with, um, and we're going to be able to preview that match. But, but how great is it going to be to see Cam, a guy like Cam Martin and a guy like Buckingham go head-to-head with each other? That's going to be amazing. I think it's the matchup you want to see. I mean, granted, um, we didn't really – Think about that being a humongous thing until you have these performances like this. Um, it, it's kind of a hit or miss thing. Um, now Cam Martin, I mean, we knew he was a high caliber score. We knew that from the jump. We knew that if Washburn wanted to hang around, you either shut him down or you get him fouled out of the game. They didn't shut him down. I mean, they did get him fouled out, but I mean, forty six is quite a bit out of 101 points so that that was a huge thing and i don't know it it, it's i feel like it's not going to be as high scoring i feel like these teams are really going to try to up their defense a little bit and realize we we can't give up that many points there's going to be a team that will run with this game and they will bury us so that hopefully both teams prepare in that sense because i don't know it's this tournament is crazy already. I mean, like we talked about, 400 points in two games. That Wow. And I, I want to see that happen again. I want to see another <laughs> amazing matchup. Are we where... getting too greedy? Are we getting too, like, oh, let's see the rest of the two games get 100 I don't think it's too I mean... greedy. It's good entertainment, my dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it started out. We watched the first game, and I know Kramer and I, when we were getting ready to go down to the press conference, we were getting ready to go down there with a couple minutes left. And it was like 93 to like 87 or something like that. It was a few minutes after Cam Martin had fouled out. And we were like, okay, I think it's, it's, it's going to probably be a lot more slower here throughout the rest of the game. Not a lot's going to happen. So we go down to go to the press conference. And it's completely empty. So by, in the time that we had walked down there, Washburn had already came back. So we, we left to go back up to watch the rest of the game. And, and it came down to the wire. And we got done with that. And, and Kramer and I both were just like, that was crazy for the first game. Like this, How's it this be tough. Yeah, we were like this second game. It's going to be good, but we were a two two v seven matchup. We were like, it, it favors Northern a lot more with the scoring spread out, and even and just the experience of we've been here, we've done that. Uh, we said that in the pregame and national runner up. Yeah, exactly. Last and, year and uh, for Southeastern saying we haven't been here since two thousand seven. Is this trying to just uh, let's kind of just get our feet wet and then come back and just some experience. And they said no. <laughs> they, and, yeah. and, and I think, Nolan, when we were just sitting here in the studio watching it, you said it best. You're just like, they won't go away. No, I mean, they Northern won't. had it, and they just kept coming, kept coming. It's like they just won't back off. And I, I think a, a performance that kind of goes under the radar for Northern was Cole Dow. I mean, 9-12 from three-point. I mean, it's it, a pretty what, good stat line. All of his points are from the three-point line. I mean, you... Wow, that that was a great performance. I mean, if you're going to have a shooter like that, I mean, you've got to be able to pull that game out. I, I just, 
down the stretch are way too many turnovers, way too many careless passes, too many home run passes, trying to throw full court, and it just it just wasn't working. And you know, Southeastern had their number. They I, they really did their their scouting, man. I mean, yeah. if, if you're going to be a seven seed and come in and play a number two seed who is the national the runner up from last year, you you got to scout them heavy. And you got to be prepared because no one's banking on the seven seed. But what's great about this about this time of year is in this big tournament, seeds do not mean a thing. The only reason they get those seeds is because of their record. So, I yeah, I, I just I was baffled by this two games in a row over a hundred points from both teams, hundred and fifteen out of a D two school. I mean, you you don't see that very often. So. Good job to literally all four teams. So then now let's talk about that first game that we retreated to at the in the first session, the noon game between an MIAA uh, rivals renewed, and Cam Martin scored forty six points, and the Lions broke a school record with twenty two threes as the Missouri Southern men's basketball team defeated Washburn one oh one to one hundred in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Um so again, forty six points and, and it's not just that, it's just that he was nine of ten from behind the arc, and that's usually not his game. He's a big guy. He likes to battle in the paint. He hit nine threes. Um, he was 16 of 21 from the field, 5 of 6 from the free throw line, and had 11 rebounds for, of course, shocker, uh, his 19th double-double of the season. But then you look at his teammate playing alongside him, Elijah Clark, who scored 28 points as he went 8 of 17 from behind the three-point line. Um, Walker also added addition 14, 4 of 8 from behind, 4 6 from behind the three-point line. Reggie Tharp, he had 10 assists. So the Lions really were just firing on all cylinders. The question I have is, can they duplicate it? I think they can. You know, we've see, we saw you know Southeastern's defense. I mean, they gave up 103 points, I believe. True, sure. 103 points. And Caleb Martin is you know just looking at him is a lot. I think a lot bigger of a you know of a person than Kevin Buckingham. Like they both are very good. Uh, athletes, very good basketball players, but Cam Martin just has something else about him. He's bigger, you know. Beckingham kind of, I feel like, plays more towards the perimeter where Martin can do either and can do either really well. Like he posts up great, and like he he catches a lot of passes from guys like Reggie Tharp and just goes straight at the bucket like hard with like no reckless intent. So yeah, not, so we actually have a cut from that first game from Cam Martin who talked about his 46 point performance. So let's let's listen to that real quick. Um, I've been uh, struggling lately from the three-point line, I feel like. And uh, just seeing that first one go in just gave me the confidence that I needed. My teammates were getting me good open shots and it's just going in tonight. Um, the ace was just playing good down there and we got so many good shooters that it was really hard for them off that pick and roll to worry about me and to worry about guards coming off the ball screen. So they're just getting me good open looks. So yeah, Cam Martin right there talking about how once he saw that first one go in, because he struggled early, he missed a couple shots down low, saw that first three go in, and then it was over from there. He only missed one three the rest of the game. I, I think <laughs> I think what was the most impressive about 
um, his nine threes, he hit five or six in a row, and they were contested threes. They weren't they weren't wide open threes. They were running a pick and fade out to the three point line, and have a hand in his face, and he would jab step and then pull up. Um, so I wow I. I think the difference between Cam Martin and um, the kid from Southeastern, I think the difference is what Sam said. He's bigger, but Mm. he runs the floor. That's going to be something that will be huge. How well are these big men going to be able to run the floor? Because in these games, you saw a lot of fast break. And it's also going to be important for him to avoid foul trouble because he fouled out of today's game. He still scored forty six. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He, I think he definitely would have hit that that fifty mark, and and <laughs> ah, so without without Martin even doing that, he he gets his name put on the NCAA list for he he's now tenth in, in scoring in a single game for the NCAA Division one, two, three, any of them. He he is now the t- number tenth guy for scoring, and, and it's interesting because Buckingham, the next game, three point shy once again at forty three points. And it would have been impressive to see two people get into the top ten scoring in an NCAA tournament game here in Maryville. Yeah, and, and we look at Washburn. I mean, they really played well, too, because they were down 72-52, and they were able to come back, cut it close, had a chance to win it. I mean, they had the ball down one with 15 seconds to go. They fumble the ball. They get the jump ball. That's fine. Remains their possession. Six seconds left. They draw up a great play. They had a ball screen set at the top of the key. Uh, He curls off of it, dribbles it off his own foot, fight for the ball, don't even get a shot up. It's a tough way to end your season. But really, you got to be pleased with how they fought. Yeah, you do. It, it is always, you know, tough losing in the NCAA tournament and, like, knowing your season's over and for the seniors, knowing that's how you lost. And uh, But still, you got to... You got to commend them. Like once uh, Cam Martin fouled out, they really turned it on. Like uh, Javion Blake, he had 24 points, and he also, you know, had some big buckets down the stretch. You know, uh, driving to the hole, and also had, uh, a, he won for five from the three point line, but also five of eight from the free throw line. He just came up big in every way that Washburn needed him to. And we'll listen to a cut here from Brett Ballard, who the Washburn head coach, talking about uh, his season coming to end and really how his team fought down the stretch. Um, well, I thought it was an incredible college basketball game. Um, <laughs> you know, from a fan's perspective, um, it's one of the more entertaining games that I've been a part of, and, and uh, both teams, I thought. Had players step up and make big-time plays. Uh, give, give Southern a ton of credit, especially Cam Martin. Uh, I don't know if I've been a part of witnessed a, a performance like that. Uh, that's as good as you can play a college basketball game. And, uh, you know, our defense wasn't great, obviously, but um, he just continued to make tough shot after tough shot. And, and then um, Elijah Clark was phenomenal tonight, too, for them. And with their with their firepower, uh, we knew it was going to be a uh, probably a shootout, um, and uh, we didn't get the stops we needed. We did, we, did, we didn't you know we didn't we didn't obviously slow them down enough defensively to win the game. You can't give up 101 points and win a college basketball game. Uh, but uh, give my guys a ton of credit. Down 20 in the second half, 13 minutes to go, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, to battle back like that against a team like that, incredible. Um, couldn't be prouder of my team and my guys. 
you know, for 32 games this year, they've shown up and they've competed, uh, played one of the toughest schedules in the country, and every night these guys, these guys went to war and battled and, and gave me everything they had. And, and uh, our seniors were incredible. Seniors were incredible tonight and led us. And, uh, you know, I've only been here two years at Washburn. I told those guys, for me, uh, they've, they've laid, laid the foundation uh, for what we can do moving forward. So really proud, really proud of this team. It hurts, disappointed that we didn't get this done. Uh, but give, give Southern a ton of credit. They, uh, Coach Boshi had his team ready to play. They made, uh, you know, one more play than we did. And just... That kind of really says it all, really. I mean, him talking about how they battled back, they fought, but truly it kind of comes down to you give up 101 points. That's going to be tough. Yeah, and and it's funny. When he was saying that, I immediately thought of the next game. And I know it went into OT, but it's it's very tough to let up that many points and still win a regulation game especially. And, And that's something that that Washburn, to what you said, Austin, they, they came back very, very close. And, and within 12 minutes, they, they, they came back with from down 20, and that's something that, that says a lot. And I know and throughout the rest of the press conference, um, Blake and, and Tyus Martin were, were asked questions about all of it too, and they, they only said positive things about Missouri Southern and Cam Martin and they talked about what you were saying, the very last play of the game. They were talking to Blake about it, and, and he said that he just it went off his foot. He lost his footing, and, and it was a scrum for the ball. And, and then he, he didn't come away with what he wanted, but he said it was a, it was a great play drawn up. And it, he, was, he said it was starting to develop as he could see it coming, but he just one misstep kind of just blew it. So that'll do it for recapping what we just saw in that first session. Again, two... 100-point battles in Missouri Southern, the sixth seed, defeating the three seed in the Washburn Ichabods in the first matchup, 101 to 100. And then the seventh seed, Southeastern Oklahoma, the Savage Storm, defeating Northern State, the, again, last year's runner-up in Division Two, falling in the first round this year, 115 to 103 in overtime. So now we will take a look at around the rest of the Division II first round of 64. March Madness has begun. And I will quickly update here the games that have, are taking place currently. And then I'll let these guys tell you about some games that have jumped off the page. There's already been some great upsets. And we've been a part of them here on the X106. But we'll brief you on some of the ones that have already happened. So I'll start first. Um, Indiana right now, the one seed is trailing to the eight seed, Westchester 21-18 there in the first half of that matchup. St. Anselm is up on the eight seed in Malloy 30-29. to um, Moving on now to the third game currently going on right now. Nova Southeastern is up 31-30. to That's, again, another 1-8 uh, matchup and they are defeating uh, Miles and then the final game that's going on right now is a 1-8 matchup between Queens and Emmanuel and that one's early and Queens holds a 13-11 to lead in that one so now let's take a look at some of the games that have finished here in the first round on this championship Saturday and Guys, what, I'll, I'll start with you first, uh, Sam. What's one that immediately jumps off the page to you uh, here in round one of the Division Two National Tournament? Well, it's another 7-2 matchup, uh, Dominican and Merrimack. And Dominican, 
to taking down Merrimack, uh, 64-50, beating them by double digits and moving on to the next round. So it's another 7-2 matchup, just like uh, Southeastern Oklahoma, you know, taking down a two-seat that probably had uh, high aspirations of making it far in the tournament. So that's one that that's, that's the one that caught my eye the most. Uh, the the game I really liked, uh, it was a 2-7 matchup between West Liberty and uh, East Stroudsburg. Um, West Liberty did come out on top in OT, 106-99. Um, they had a 30-point performance as well from Ryan Smith, 9 of 11 from the field and 12 of 12 from free throw. Um, that, that That's a fantastic game. They also had a complimented him with Nick Giordano with 19 Jaquan Jones with 13. Um, I, I thought that was really kind of a game that jumped out to me because West Liberty is 26 and four, and um, they they should have dominated that game. And they were actually down for quite a while, but they came back and uh, got the W in that game. So that that was kind of the game I had my eye on. I don't know if mine is really a game, but more of like a, a specific matchup. And and I like that. The NCAA, I, th- I think it's the NCAA who does this and schedules the times and all that. But every single one and eight matchup plays at about the same time. Mm-hmm. Every single three and six plays, and and we just got the two and seven matchups. And in in the top half of the bracket, looking at it, three out of the four of those went into overtime. And at the bottom half of it, one was an upset, and the rest of them were decided by two points. Aside from the Bellarmine, <laughs> the Bellarmine game, and that's one that that I really like because. That team is, like we said in the pregame, that team is scary. And a 20-point win for Bellarmine, that's something that, that's going to go on the paper. And their next game's against Finley, who, who barely beat 6 seed Drury. That's going to be a good game. Yeah, that is going to be a good game. And so I'll talk about some of the games that finish up that we didn't mention. We mentioned West Liberty. They will be taking on Virginia State, who took care of Notre Dame, Ohio, 89-81. That was a 3-6 matchup. Uh, we look into, we talked about the Dominican, and here's another 7-6 matchup, just like here in the Central Region, that will take place tomorrow as St. Thomas Aquinas, the sixth seed, defeated LeMoyne 61-59, a real shootout there. Coming down to the wire, St. Thomas Aquinas is the two-point win. Uh, Bellarmine is who Andrew just mentioned, and they will be taking on Finley, who got a narrow win over Drury, another Missouri. Why is Drury not in the MIAA? I've always wondered that. I have no idea. Just a side thought there. Um, GLVC? Yeah, and uh, then we look at another game, uh, another uh, couple games that uh, finished South Carolina Aiken defeated uh, Lenoy Rhine, and then Augusta defeated Francis uh, Marion. And so they will take place tomorrow. And then finally, Lynn, Andrew's, Andrew's team apparently, <laughs> uh, de- <laughs> defeated Alabama Huntsville. And then Florida Southern was able to take care of Delta State in a close one. So that 2-3 will be taking place tomorrow. So all the way around the tournament, there have been some great games. And we will take a break here, and we will come back, and we will talk about some of the great games that we have been seeing in Division One college basketball. We're going to take a look at Bracketology, the latest. It's tomorrow's Selection Sunday. So we're going to take a look at some of that, see who's already got their tickets punched to the big dance, um, which is going to be starting next week. But so far, 
the Division Two tournament has been electric, and it's been electric here in the Central Region, and we've got it all for you here on the X106. Stay tuned. We will be back for the Midday Central Region Report. You are listening to the X106. Do we want to get right? Well, I think we've been rocked today here in Maryville for the Central Region, which has just been, uh, after Session 1, really just tiring for fans to watch. I ran into a couple uh, Missouri Southern fans in Pizza Ranch, and they said, (laughs) it really is, I said, how was that game? And they said, we are just tired from watching it. And I said, I really don't blame you. And then the next game was just more of the same. It's been unreal here in Division Two. There's been several upsets. And now we look at the greatest uh, sporting event, in my opinion, at all, ever. In, that's Division One March Madness. And so we will look at current bracketology right now as tickets are being punched. There's great matchups later tonight. Uh, Kansas, Iowa State, and the Big 12, um, Duke, and Florida State, who pulled off the upset against Virginia. So we'll look at bracketology right now. And so, guys, what are we thinking? I'm thinking there's possibility for a lot of upsets. Well, there always are. I mean, there. yeah, <laughs> obviously, but I mean, more like, more like not like uh, just you don't you didn't think it was going to happen, but like you think that upset's going to happen. You know, here's a real question. Um, with Zion Williamson coming back and his two games that we've seen him come back, he has proven again that he is by far and away the best player in college basketball. How far can Duke go with him? Because they lost to North Carolina twice in the regular season without him. He comes back, they win over North Carolina last night, and they've looked, and he's been dominant. How how good is Duke? Can they make it all the way with him, or is this kind of like ah uh, he's going to be tired because I mean he missed a little bit. I think they can make it all the yeah. way to the Final Four with him. It it just depends on on what region they get True. and and who their their two seed is because if if they get a two seed <clears throat> like a, a team like North Carolina or a team like Michigan State where where they've been riding real real hot recent, I think there there's chance for some trouble. Um, but look, kind of looking at it, there are some. There are also some teams on here that have kind of been struggling, that are that are getting some two and some three seeds. So it just kind of depends, I think, where Duke is put. But I think that yeah, there's a good chance that they could do it. And right now, we're just going to look strictly at the bracketology. Right now, again, the official bracket will be released tomorrow night. And in like Andrew just said, Duke is the one seed right now in the South. Um, the Sweet Sixteen and on will be in Louisville. Um, and their two seed is Michigan State. Uh, their three seed would be Texas Tech, who I think is really good. Nevada is the probably the scariest six seed by far. Um, Kansas, surprisingly not high. I mean, they're used to being higher, so we'll see if they have a little more fight because they're saying, man, we this is the first time we haven't been a one seed in a while. They're sitting there at a four seed. Mississippi State a five, UCF an eight. That South region is... And Nolan got real hyped when we first looked at it about how intense the South region is. I I think the South region, um, if it if it lines up the way it it's looking like, um, those are some pretty good teams to put it all some in one region. Great teams. To have Duke at one, Michigan State at two, Tech at three, 
KU at four. I mean, those are some pretty big powerhouse blue blood, a couple blue blood teams, yeah. and then you're going to add in top of conference teams and. And Man, some teams with I, some tournament success, like exactly. Texas Tech, Nevada, Nevada, exactly. So I, I, I think I think the South could be the region to watch if if it Cincinnati's there in seven that seed. Way. That's a team with some tournament experience for sure. So I, I don't know <clears throat> if if I'm going to watch any region in totality, it'll be the South because that that's a lot of talent to put in one region, um, and you could honestly, there's many options that you could pick to come out of that region. So. It'll be interesting. And then we look at the one seed in the East still remains Virginia, even though they had that loss to Florida State. They're still the overall number one seed. Um, We look at Gonzaga, the one seed in the West, and then Kentucky, the one seed in the Midwest. The West is in Anaheim, East in Washington, D.C., Midwest in Kansas City. Um, We look at some of these other local teams, I guess you could say. Kansas, again, a four seed. Kansas State, a four seed. Iowa is sitting at an eight seed. Nebraska, not in. Creighton, not in. Um, whom Iowa State sitting at a six seed right now. Um, who else am I? Missouri, not in. Missouri, not in. Yeah. Um, so, so it's great. I, I can't. I, you know, it's it's funny too with Selection Sunday. We always see people. It's it's never an, a happy. Are people ever happy after Selection Sunday? Honestly, with with, it, with there being as many teams as there are. A team is always going to get snubbed, or a team that's sitting in, in midway through the Power Five, like midway in a Power Five conference, is always going to get the nod to be in the tournament over over a team in a mid major that did really well, like a UNC Greensboro this year. They played really well, and and so did a team like maybe a Furman, who, who's currently sitting, I believe, there in the the next four out is Lipscomb and UNC Greensboro as well as Furman sitting alongside a team that's sitting in the middle of a Power Five, Clemson. So it's kind of back and forth, and there's a lot of teams that get snubbed that rightfully do because they're not in a Power Five. And, and then there's also a mixture of teams that, that don't get in that you're kind of questioning as to why they're not, like maybe a Louisville being at a number seven seed off the season that they've had. This is not a great season for them in terms of how they've played, but obviously they're going to be in the tournament because it's the name that they have. I, I just – I don't know. that. This tournament's kind of lining up a little bit weirdly for me. Um, there's there's so many like teams that are just about the same record, and you could put them anywhere. Yeah, you could. Li- it, it's really it comes down to honestly who wins in these conference tournament championships tonight could change the entire scope. I mean if. Uh, and then if we KU have the SEC wins, exactly. We'll finish tomorrow, and that Big Ten will finish tomorrow. There, there's so many different ways yeah. it could go. Um, so one thing that I'm completely confused about in the West is if Murray State gets a 12 seed at 27 and four. That blows my mind. A 12? A 12 who's, seed? Who's that five seed? Auburn. Auburn. Yeah, that's at 25 and nine. I mean, Auburn has a, had a pretty tough schedule this year, but Murray State at 27 and four at a 12 seed. That that just confuses me. I don't know how that works, but I don't know. I guess they're put there <sighs> because you know they're in the Ohio Valley Conference and they might not have as many. I mean, what they call now quadrant one wins and stuff like that, but. Auburn, if Auburn does get Murray State, I'd be real scared of Ja Morant. Yeah, I would be too. I mean, I'd be, be worried, yeah. I think anyone should be in. Uh, where is Marquette at on this? Marquette's they, a six right six now. six seed? 
And that, I think... It's a scary team to play also. Yeah, it's, it's a little low for, like, they were in the top they 10 at one point. They haven't set as playing in, playing one of those play-in teams, which are also... You don't ever want to play a play-in team because they're just coming off of a win. They have a little bit of momentum, and both of those play-in teams are actually kind of good in TCU and Temple. That would be a really good... And then it starts in Dayton how great these games would be just right off the get-go. Um, and so that's it for looking at Division One. We're going to take another short break here, and we are going to come up and preview Session 2. And really, if it's anything as good as Session 1, we're in for a real treat. We're going to preview St. Cloud, South Nazarene, and then, of course, Northwest Missouri State, the only undefeated team in Division One, Two, and Three, number one team in the nation, hosting the Central Region, taking on... Uh, the Minnesota State Mankato. It's really session two is revenge, is the revenge session. And we're going to explain that coming up on the X106. Welcome back to the Central Region meet Midday Report, and we are now set to preview the revenge session, session number two. And we will start first with the nightcap between St. Cloud and Southern Nazarene. And this is a game where after winning the GAC conference title for the second consecutive season and earning the league's automatic big Southern Nazarene, the Crimson Storm, they enter as the five seed and they will take on St. Cloud, the four seed. And this is the second consecutive season that these teams have met up in the first round of the central region where last year uh, these uh, Southern Nazarene lost to St. Cloud 81-68 where the Huskies had a huge second half. Um, and this game will tip off at 8.30 tonight. So I'll start, uh, I'll start with you, Andrew, because you're going to be on the call for this game. Um, this is going to be a great one, a rematch of last year, and Southern Nazarene is trying to get their revenge. And here comes the revenge session. Southern Nazarene trying to get the revenge on St. Cloud um, from last season. Yeah, and, and it's going to start, if Southern Nazarene wants to win this game, they're going to have to rely heavily on Jonathan Dunn. He, he's averaging almost 18 points a game, uh, four and a half rebounds. He's shooting uh, 82%. He, he's one of their, their playmaking guards and, and it's going to be something that they're going to be keyed on in, as well as Micah Spate, who's averaging about 15 points in five. And, that's, and that's, those are their two biggest players. And, and on the flip side, in St. Cloud, they, they have one of the most exciting players, and it would not surprise me if he has a game like Buckingham or, or Martin. In Gage Davis, a redshirt senior, he's a guard, so it's not necessarily one of those taller forwards. Um, but he's averaging 26 points a game, almost eight rebounds, as well as three uh, as well as 3.3 assists. He's got two triple doubles on the season, six double doubles. And, and earlier this season, he had a 47 point game against Wayne State. So it's he is a player that that can do whatever he needs to do to win games. He triple doubles, double doubles, 47 point games. He he can do it all. He's averaging 26 points a game again. So it's. It's going to be a, a great game to watch, and, and St. Cloud has one of those amazing playmakers that we've seen in the earlier games. But but don't count Southern Nazarene out because they also have some playmakers that that add up really quick. I think this this was my favorite matchup. I said this earlier. The, these teams are so similar, and they've seen each other so much at this point. Yeah, that it, it's almost too perfect of a matchup. Um, 
I know Northwest and Mankato, that's another another rematch, but this rematch is I think is gonna be the the game to watch tonight in this nightcap. Um the, these teams play similar styles and I know that uh Nazarene does not have the Gage Davis type player on their team, but like Andrew said, don't count them out. Um the to have these four and five seed games, um, they always make the four and five seed. They make these teams very similar. They pick teams that are just about the same level, and th- this is the game where your seeding does not matter. It's who comes out and who plays hardest and who um, really shows you that they're in this tournament for a reason. And um, I, I really, I know we had four hundred points total scored in the first two games, but. For me personally, I think this is going to be the biggest game of the night is who advances in this because ideally the, these two teams are dangerous at 4-5, and five, and it's not often you hear a 4 or 5 seed be this dangerous. So yeah. this this will be a good game to watch. Yeah, and, uh, to bring up, and you know, Andrew talked about Gage Davis, 26 points per game. Uh, that'll be a really key in matchup for Southern Nazarene. Probably they're probably going to try to d him up like anywhere, like at any time. So I look at a guy like Brindley Thiessen. He's averaging fifteen point two points per game, and he's also fifty one percent from the three point line this year. So say if Gage Davis is just getting shut down, which I don't think he will, but you know. 26 points per game that brings a lot of defensive attention. Brindley Thiessen is a guy that can take the pressure off of Gage Davis and get, you know, the defense to spread out more because, you know, 51% from three, that's that's a really good margin. That's going to be a great game. Andrew is going to be on the call for that one. Tip off at approximately 8.30, depending on how long the Northwest Mankato game goes to. And that's where we're going to go next here on the Midday Report and the undefeated Northwest Missouri State Bearcats coming off of their sixth straight MIAA conference championship, fourth straight MIAA uh, tournament championship will be taking part in its 19th NCAA tournament, seventh NCAA tournament under in only 10 years under head coach Ben McCollum. Um, they are 23 and 20 all time in NCAA tournament appearance. And today, here comes the revenge again. Northwest will meet Minnesota State Mankato. And this is the seventh meeting between these two teams. And it's tied three all between the two of them. Um, and this is the fifth meeting between the two schools in the last six years in the NCAA tournament. Um, Joey Wittes is going to be a player to watch in this game as. He, of course, is a transfer from Minnesota Mankato, and he has been a walking bucket, to just put it how it is, here at Northwest Missouri State. He is the 23rd Northwest player to reach 1,000 points in a Bearcat uniform, um, and he is number 22 among active NCAA Division II scorers with 1,800 points, and he needs only five points to surpass Washburn's JV on Blake as the MIAA's top active scorer. And so... Uh, Northwest has enjoyed here tonight in that Bearcat Arena is already filling up, I'm sure. Northwest has enjoyed a tremendous home court advantage in the last six-plus seasons in Bearcat Arena. They have put together a mark of 87-5 and in Bearcat Arena (laughs) over its last 92 home games. And this season, of course, they're 14-0. But we know the last time they lost in this arena – was to Minnesota State Mankato 
What a game we have coming up here next on the X106. Uh, uh, I know I said four and five would be good, but really, really do not do not put the phone down. Do not close the laptop for this game because, <laughs> man. I, it's going to be a little bit of emotion in this yes, game. Yes, yes, for sure. I mean, it's, I know we, we keep harping on Joey Wittes, but I mean, your, this is sen- it. your mean, senior year, you get another shot at your former school. That doesn't come around very often. Um, you know, something that was big for Northwest versus Minnesota Mankato last year um, that we brought up earlier, they didn't have a complete team. Sam brought it up. They didn't have a complete team, Northwest. They they relied on Justin Pitts heavily. And Justin Pitts went out, wasn't playing, and you could tell very clearly that they they missed him quite a bit, and they ended up losing this year, they, they have four or five guys who are consistently in double digits. Consistently. And if you're going to have a team like that, it, it, it's hard to beat. Um, and I think another big thing um, with this game is that um, Northwest team defense, um, when they switch on ball screens, is unreal. Something you you saw in these earlier games today, they weren't switching off ball screens. They weren't hedging off ball screens very heavily. It was a lot of pick-and-roll ISO plays. Northwest team defense, they don't allow those. They do not allow you to get isolation plays and really separate the one offensive player and the one defensive player from the rest of them. They space the floor out, and then they, they close you into an area, and they force you to make bad passes. They force you to turn the ball over and get out on the break. So I, I think that's something that Mankato is going to have a tough time with. Um, there's not a lot of defenses like Northwest. There's really not yeah. a lot of room for error. Yeah, I mean, no. either. You know Northwest is going to score. The way that they're able to spread the ball around with the way that Diego, Bernard, and Trevor Hudgens can drive and kick to some of those shooters like Wittis and Welty, they're hard to beat. And, and we've seen several times. We saw in one game alone that just immediately comes to mind. They played UCM, and UCM – played three different defenses in one possession to try and stop Northwest, and it still resulted in a Wittes three. And so for Minnesota State today, I mean, you have to play perfect to try and stop this team who has a pretty big target on their back. Yeah, and I think Northwest, like, number one team in the nation, 32-0, and but also Nolan brings up the defense. I think this team is the best team on defense and offense in the country. They have so. the player of the year, the freshman of the year, and the defensive player of the year. Yeah, and a couple of the players were even honorable mentions that everybody, in this, year. everybody in this starting five had some type of accolade. I remember at being at the MIAA tournament, everybody – that was that was God announced recognized. for the starting that was announced for the starting Jeez. five also got announced for something else. So they went to go take pictures, and, and someone came up to me and they were like, "Well, they're like, did they just announce the starting five? And I'm like, "No, these are just the awards." I'm <laughs> like, "That's just how good this Northwest <laughs> team is." And if anything matches like what we've seen earlier with Cam Martin um, and Elijah Clark being the duo in that first game, um, Adam Dworsky and Kevin Buckingham being the duo in that second game, allotting for the majority of the points. It would not surprise me if the duo we've seen all year of Trevor Hudgens and Joey Wittes account for over half the points for this Northwest team tonight. It would not surprise me. And then and then you get into the final game, and, and if that does happen, who are the two that are going to dominate in that game? Because if it's a trend we've seen already in two of these games, if both teams get into 100 points and there's a duo that has over half of that, it's going to be phenomenal. So who's that player then for Mankato that can kind of balance out some of the scoring from Wittes? 
Uh, for Mankato, I have uh, Cam Kirksey. He's averaging uh, 17.5 points per game. And also Carlos Anderson, he's averaging 13.5 points per game. And you know, Andrew brought up the duos that have scored over half the points. This would be the duo for Mankato if they wanted to knock off Northwest tonight. And I think one of the best quotes all season long, and we kind of talked about it in the pregame, but now we can really kind of get into it, was uh, a quote from head coach Ben McCollum after a narrow win over Missouri uh, Western, uh, the rival for Northwest here at home. It was senior night, a game that really Northwest should have taken business and moved on, but it wasn't like that. And, And he said, and I'll quote, he said, I think the Missouri Western game helped us more than anything. Just because we weren't overly prepared, um, he said. The other part of that is we still won, and so we can play. We can play essentially poorly offensively and still win. We need to take that with us and understand that we need to understand that when we move when we go into the postseason. That your every single game is going to be like that. You're going to have games where you're not going to be able to shoot sixty percent from the floor, but you've been in games where you didn't shoot the ball well. And you still won. So going in with that, I mean, it helps so much down the long road. Yeah, it really puts a chip on Northwest's shoulder if they didn't have one already for being undefeated. But because, you know, you look at it, if they don't shoot well on the night and just no one can hit it, the the other team's not going to hit anything either because their defense is so well, so good. And, like, eventually... This team is so good, they will start to hit those shots. And just like we saw in the Western game, they eventually started to hit those shots. And um, something something else to talk about with Minnesota State. Um, you know, we harp on how Northwest has four or five guys that are all scoring double digits. Minnesota State does have that. Um, you know, Sam already brought up uh, Cam Kirksey and Carlos Anderson. Um, he, they also have Kevin Krieger and Juwan McLeod. I mean... They, they have their own four guys that are scoring double digits, but something that Minnesota State is going to have a tough time with, they're coming off of, uh, you know, in the regular season, two losses there at the end of the season, one by 28 and the other one by 10. So um, I, I think those are, those are key things to, to know. Um, they did win their conference tournament, so that was, that was good for them. Um, I think that was the rebound they needed. So they need to run off of that coming into this game. Um, but something that I I just I keep harping on with every every game is that your points off turnovers for any team is going to be huge. Northwest seventeen and a half points off turnovers. Um, I don't know about you, but that seventeen that's about as close as their scoring margin. <laughs> if that doesn't tell you how they beat you by twenty one, I don't know what does. I mean. To get 17 points alone just off of defense is huge. And that should tell you that Minnesota no State. Exactly. That that right there is going to be huge. 7.4 steals per game. And then uh, Minnesota State had four or something like that. Uh, that defense. Defense, defense, defense. And they're going to shut you. What Northwest does, their play style is shut you down immediately. We're, we're going to get ahead by enough, and then our defense is going to come in and bury it. And what's really going to be interesting is if Northwest is able to get hot early, it's going to be really tough because that crowd, it's a sellout, <laughs> and it's probably already full right now. So you talk about it, if they're able to get shots early, force turnovers early, 
it's going to be an uphill battle the whole time for Mankato. But if Mankato is able to keep it within two, maybe be up to a halftime, they have a chance to win, no doubt. Yeah, it's definitely the start because I, I guarantee you. The it, first it, four minutes, I it, think, is going to be the difference maker. I, I think if Wittis goes down very first possession and hits a three, all he has to do is raise his hand, and the entire crowd is going to lose it. And, and <laughs> Minnesota State is slowly going to lose that that equilibrium that they that they had coming into it, and and they're going to start to look a little spotty. They're they're going to start to force some stuff that maybe shouldn't have been forced. And, and Northwest, being that thirty-two and zero team, they're going to capitalize off of those mistakes. And I also think it's kind of similar to what Cam Martin said. You see a first shot like that go in potentially. You don't think you're gonna miss that rim? Just looks bigger and bigger, and it's, you seem like once I hit that, see that first one go in. I don't think I'm gonna miss the rest of the game. You just keep firing it up, saying, "Well, that's in," yeah. and, and that's how Northwest has played all season. If they get hot early, they put up 111. Well, something something <laughs> else that happened in the in the um, conference tournament um, in the games against Lincoln and Washburn. Um, Lincoln and Washburn both got up by seven or eight. Right there at the beginning, it was what was weird to me. It looked like Northwest was letting them get up by that. <laughs> it really did. It, le- it looked like they let them get up by seven or eight, and then they punch you in the mouth. They they go they go on a run. You think that helps them in the long run? Saying we've come from behind and won games before. I I wouldn't call it coming from behind for okay. them. <laughs> okay. To be honest. No. Yeah. Honestly. I, I really it. Like I said, it looked like they let them do it. <laughs> and then they go on a run, and they punch you in the mouth, and they don't let you come back. I mean, in that Lincoln game, they were up 7-0. Northwest went on a 22-0 run. That Oh, man. Yeah, it, that's... You don't beat that. No. You don't. And so I think if that happens today... It, it's signed, sealed, delivered. Bring on round two. It's it's going to be great, and if it's anything like the first session, where again Missouri Southern, the six seed, able to upset Washburn, the three seed, one hundred one to one hundred, and then the seven seed in overtime, Southeastern Oklahoma, able to upset the, the Division two runner up from last season, season in Northern State, one fifteen to one hundred three. That was session one. Session two, getting set to tip off here in about half an hour, and that will be between Northwest Missouri State, undefeated, the only undefeated team, um, taking on their uh, tournament rival, tournament foe, you could say, in Minnesota State, Mankato, and then the nightcap where, uh, will be between the 4-5 between teams that have also had a history with each other in St. Cloud State and Southern Nazarene. And X-106 will be on the call with Ryan Elliott and Kramer Sansone for the Northwest game, and then Kramer Sanson and Andrew Botwinick is going to be sprinting over there and being on the call for that. So that will do it for us here in the midday report for the Central Region. We will be back tomorrow uh, to preview the uh, third session of the Central Region and the round of 32 for the Division II tournament. We will be previewing who won, who lost. We'll be looking at Selection Sunday, which will be coming out while we're on the air, which is going to be pretty hilarious more than anything else. You're going to hear our reactions live. Um, But for right now, that will do it for us in the studio, for Austin Norton, Sam Steinmeier, Nolan Brooks, Andrew Botwinick. You've been listening to the X106, the midday report for the Central Region. We are now going to send it out to Bearcat Arena with Ryan Elliott and Kramer Sansone for the Northwest Missouri State Bearcats taking on the Minnesota State Mankato.